Good morning. Our reading today is from Luke 16, 19 to 31. <laughs> there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with swords and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. Now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. You may be seated. I want to begin by asking you to consider your most important assets in life. Uh, and hopefully it's maybe someone sitting next to you, okay? All right, close to you. Uh, but wanna, if you talk to people who are more mature in their years, they will tell you that as they get older, they realize just how important time is. And time is one of the blessings that the Lord gives to us and one of our most important assets. Uh, here in our culture, we've even uh, given time power. We say things like, time will tell. Really? Or we say, time will heal all wounds. You think that's true? Uh, while time may or may not be able to do those things, Time is so very important to us. This hit home to me again this last week when I was visiting with one of our disciples who has stage four pancreatic cancer. And he, he knows that his days are very limited. And when you know something like that, you treasure every single day, every single hour, every single moment because you realize you may not have many more. And as we were talking, you know, I said, I'm so sorry that you have to face this terminal illness. And then he pointed right at me and he says, you know, Pastor Luther, you're terminal too. I said, what do you mean? I knew what he meant. He says, we all have a limited number of years, of months, weeks, days, minutes, seconds. And that's why as God's people, it's so critical for us as we approach this asset of our time that we order our time around God and His priorities for us. And friends, that's where we are today in the parable that you just heard that Jesus told about a rich man and a poor man. 
And we're going to see from this parable that God's worldview is so different than our culture. That God turns things upside down. And just as He surprised the Pharisees and His disciples, so He challenges us today to consider the use of our time. What Jesus starts out this story or this parable by saying that there's a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. Now, that might not mean much to you, but to be dressed in purple was a big deal. Purple was reserved for those who had a lot of money because they had no dye at that time for the color purple. And so the only way that they could have purple was that they would crush hundreds and thousands of crustaceans from the Mediterranean Sea in order to get the juice, in order to get the the, the product to make purple material. And usually it was only the kings and people who were very, very wealthy. Well, one of those groups of very wealthy people were the Pharisees. And we are told just before this, earlier in the chapter, that the Pharisees were listening in on this. And we are told that the Pharisees loved money, Jesus says in those very words. And so the Pharisees, when they paraded around, they would wear their purple linens. Especially the high priest would be decked out in gold and purple attire. Well, not only that, but it says that the that the man lived in luxury every day. Now, you'd have to know Greek to know that the phrase refers to that which he ate, which means that he ate the most expensive, the most scrumptious, the, 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 the finest of all foods. And it wasn't just on his anniversary that he had filet mignon, okay, or on his birthday, a lobster tail. But this is something that he had every day. All right, now, so you've got... The rich man. Sometimes uh, you'll see that in the parable, like in the King James Version, he's called dives. Dives is Latin for rich. On the other hand, you've got a poor man, and his name is Lazarus. Now, what's interesting about Lazarus, it says that he was a beggar. That's the only way that he had to get money. That was the only thing that sustained him in his life, is that he begged for a living. And he begged, it says he was stationed right at 465 in Keystone, okay? No, it says he was stationed right at the gate, right at the entry to this rich man's house. And he would hope that when the rich man came by, that he would help him. But oftentimes, the rich man would just kind of ignore him. And you talk about uh, things that to eat, whereas the the rich man, you know, he ate uh, in luxury every day. The poor man, it says, he was in such bad shape that the, he hoped that he could eat the scraps, the leftovers that fell on the floor from the rich man's table. In addition, you know, Luke is a physician, a doctor, and he comments on the fact, he uses a medical term to describe the ulcerous sores that were all over this man's body. It must have been terrible. And it says that they were so bad that he couldn't even ward off the, the, the street dogs, and the street dogs would come, and they would lick his sores. What a contrast. What a terrible difference between the rich man and the poor man. Okay, well, that's in this world. But Jesus continues the story in the next world. He talks about what happens in eternity. 
And in eternity, uh, Lazarus, the the poor man, he dies and he's taken up to his place in glory. It says, uh, a common phrase for Hebrews, to Abraham's side, or in the older translations, Abraham's bosom. And what that means is that Abraham was the patriarch. He was the father of the covenant of the Hebrew faith. And so to be taken to Abraham's side would be taken into glory, into heaven. To contrast that, the rich man, he died too. He's buried, but he's in hell. It says in verse 23 that he is in torment, and the technical term for that is in immense agony. It's the worst thing that you could ever think of, and that's what he was experiencing in hell. And the rich man looks up, and he sees Abraham in the distance, along with Lazarus by his side, and he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Please, please send Lazarus to just dip his finger in water so that he can touch my tongue because I'm in in such agony, such a terrible condition. And Abraham looks at him and says, son, remember this. In your lifetime, you received a lot of good stuff, a lot of good things, whereas Lazarus got the bad things. But now, in eternity, Lazarus is the one who's got the good stuff, and you're the one that is in complete agony. And besides that, there's this huge huge chasm between you and between Lazarus, and you can't cross over. Your time's up. And so the rich man begs with Abraham, says, if my time's up, could you at least send somebody to warn my brothers? I got five brothers at home. I don't want them to face this agony either. And he says, Abraham, they've got God's word. They've had the law and the prophets. And if they won't listen to Moses and the word of God, they'll never be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And that one to rise from the dead would be Jesus. And the Pharisees and the religious people still didn't believe in him and still didn't trust in him. Well, what do we learn from this parable? We learn that when it comes to the most precious asset of our time, that as we give our life away, minute by minute, second by second, we have to ask, what's the purpose? What are we doing with our time? Is our time purely to scratch and to crawl and to get more so that we can have more things and more stuff so that we can have the opulence like that rich man before he died? You know, this story really illustrates the truth that a person can have a lot of money here on this world, but in the end can be time poor. When the man died, the rich man, he had lots of stuff, lots of money, but he had no more time. The time was gone for him. You know, the, the man in the, uh, in the parable, the rich man, has a unique perspective. And you never see this anywhere else in the Bible where he is in hell and he's able to look back on his life to see how he wasted his life and how he made the wrong decisions and how he had the wrong priorities. He would have traded all the money in the world, it says here, just for a cool drink of water. Or he would have traded it again if he could just go back and warn his brothers about this torment. You see, when Jesus is speaking through the rich man, he's really given us a warning. A warning for us to say that the way that we view the world, the way that we see things. You know, the Pharisees, they they believed, they saw the world that if a person had a lot of stuff, then God loved you. Then God blessed you. But if you were poor... 
then God cursed you. And so Jesus is turning this upside down. His worldview is so different that God, regardless of what you've got, loves you. And he loves you the way that you are. And you talk about a chasm, okay? Remember, the, 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 Jesus says there was a chasm between Abraham and Lazarus and between that rich man. There's a chasm that we all face that is due to our sins. And yet, what did God do? He bridged the chasm through his son. The word became, Jesus became a human being just like you and me. And he took our sin, our shortcomings, our wasted time upon himself, and he died for it on the cross. And then he rose again so that now the bridge has been built so that we can cross over from death because Jesus took our hell upon himself, the, the curse of sin, and he experienced so that we can have life. And as a result, we are different. As, I want to get one thing clear here. You know, Jesus is not against money. He is not condemning all the rich while suggesting that all the poor are going to go to heaven. God's eternal mercy is for everyone who crosses that bridge by faith and has fellowship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And again, I am grateful for so many of you who use your time, your resources wisely for God's kingdom purposes. The rich man in the parable, he, he used what God had given to him on himself. He was very selfish. When he saw Lazarus at his gate, he just walked by as if nothing happened. And then when he got to heaven, even, even, even he's talking to Abraham, he says, send that lousy Lazarus and, and have him bring me a drink. It's all about him, isn't it? As I read this story, it causes us to reflect. Reflect about how we're using our time, our resources. Many of us have already been given years and even decades in this rat race of the world we live in, striving to get ahead, striving to gain success. And we spend so much of our time planning for the future. And much of it is centered, if we're honest, around ourselves in getting more and more. And we've been given all this time that we can't get back. And for some of us, time has been lost. But I have to point out that there's another truth in this parable that we need to examine. We are part of a series this month called Mercy. Is there any mercy in this parable? Well, there is because of the fact that we all still have time. Jesus says in the parable that Abraham responds to the request for more time by saying, Son, remember in your lifetime you received the good things while Lazarus received the bad things. In effect, he says, you had a lifetime, a period in your life where you could reflect and make changes. You had time in your life to see the world as I see the world, and yet you wasted your lifetime, and so you won't be given any relief. Now, notice the rich man and his time of his life was not broken into segments. Abraham didn't say, you have until you're 40 to make the changes and then it's too late. Or he didn't say, you have until you retire at age 66 or whatever it is for people today. And then it's too late. Rather, he says to Abraham, you have a lifetime. 
Now, sometimes I think we set these invisible deadlines to think that, well, if we haven't changed by this age, then it's not going to happen. If I haven't taught Sunday school when my kids are small and young, I'll never be able to do that. Or I've lived next to this guy for 10 years and I've never shared my faith with him. I've never asked him to come with me to church. It's too late. I can't do that now. And beside, I'm approaching retirement How can I set aside the top portion of my life for God's purposes? I need everything I can get. And so we think, oh, it's it's too late. No, it's not too late. A lifetime. It's never too late till it's too late. This is God's mercy at work. That God says to you, you're still here. You're still breathing. Your heart is still beating. You've still got time. God in his mercy has given us time to reorganize our lives around his priority. And he doesn't leave us alone to do that. He gives us his grace, his mercy, his love. You have a lifetime to hold on to the promises of Jesus Christ and to trust in him as your personal savior. It's not over yet. You've got lifetime. You've got lifetime to see the people that God, whom God has placed at your gate, the people in your life that you are sensitive to, that you can help, that God has called you to nurture, to provide for. It's not too late. You have lifetime. The Lord blesses us with life to empower us by His Spirit, to help us to adjust so that we don't spend our time wasted on all the temporary things and the riches of this world. Rather, we are called to invest in matters of eternity. In the end, the rich man regretted that he didn't have any time. And so the question for you and me today is not how old are you and how much do you have left. The, time, the answer is, do you have lifetime? And in light of his mercy, we open up our attitudes in our hearts, in our resources, and especially our time to say, mold me, use me. Help me see the world like you see the world. Help me to notice the people at my gate and not just walk by them. Help me to use the time that I have and the resources that I have to make a difference. I like what one person said. Listen to this quote. It says, the opportunity of a lifetime is only good during a lifetime of opportunity. And it's true. And friends, all of us still have a lifetime of opportunity. The Apostle Paul weighs in on this truth when he says in Ephesians 5, he says, be careful then as you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I love that phrase, redeeming the time. We think of redeeming souls. That's what God does for us through Jesus. We think of redeeming our relationships where we get back with people that maybe we haven't been close to. There's a lot of things that are redeemed, but time, can time be redeemed? And here the answer is yes, because of God's mercy and God's grace and his son, Jesus Christ, he gives us more time in our life. And it doesn't mean that all the time that we've spent in the past that we regret, that we might have wasted, that we can get that back. No, that's not the point here. And it's not like Groundhog Day where you can relive the times. Thank God we don't have to do that, right? Instead, he says, press on. Use the time, the lifetime that God has given you to serve him and to love him. We choose to make the most of our time, and 
I, I love the story that, I, that, that happened. It's true in history. You may have heard of this guy. His name is Charles Francis Adams. He was the son of John Quincy Adams and the grandson of President John Adams. He kept a diary. And on one day, this was what he wrote in his diary. He says, went fishing with my son today. A wasted day. Well, his son was Brooke Adams, who also kept a diary, which is still in existence. And on that very same day, listen to what Brooke Adams said in his entry diary. He said, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. You see, with Jesus as your Savior, you can say, today is the most wonderful day of my life. Today is the day God has called me to set priorities that honor Him, that trust Him. That's a vertical. And then the cross-shaped theology, we set, we set priorities that care for the people who are at our gate, the people whom God has placed into our lives. We don't ignore them, but God uses us to make a difference in their lives. I want you to repeat after me, if you would. Everyone ready? Today is the day. The Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And indeed we are. Because of God's mercy, we are glad today. For God has given us a lifetime to serve Him and to love others. Amen? Amen.